I have a GPS tracker on a car, okay? You know, look for yourself. You don't fucking get it. We have a connection. I'm the only person that you can be real with. Me, that's it. If you don't believe me, you can go out to Anna Arbor and speak for yourself. Find out who Devin really was. I know that she's alive. You get to what's right in front of you, can you? Right in front of your fucking eyes. This is why you'll never find Devin. Welcome to Dead of the Night, an investigative podcast looking into the disappearance of Devin Riesling, a 23-year-old nursing student who disappeared on February 9th, 2019. On our last episode, we found the identity of the man who had been stalking Devin for nearly a decade, a 22-year-old Emmett native named Garrett Lee Haynes. Before we start, I want to take a minute and just acknowledge and apologize for the phone call between me and Garrett that we ended the last episode on. Obviously, it was important to include in the podcast. It's possibly one of the biggest breaks we've had in the case. But it's becoming obvious that my former friendship with Garrett is starting to cloud the narrative. I'm going to try my best to keep my personal life out of this podcast, keep things focused on finding Devon, but I have to admit that things are starting to get a bit messy. Been waiting for me long? No, I just got here a minute before you did. Sorry about that. No, I'm, I'm just glad that you could get out here so fast. Thank you. Let's see what we can find. Um, see anything? Not yet. Okay, uh, this, this article says... GPS trackers may be hidden inside bumpers. You may need a flashlight and a mirror to detect the. Got it. Really? That that was fast. There you go. Are you sure that's it? Yep. Now it looks like a Logistomatics Micro 400. You're familiar. Yeah, I've seen a couple of these before. How often does it send data back to whomever's tracking it? Every 30 seconds or so. Wow. So Garrett was actually telling the truth. Well, he was telling the truth about putting a GPS tracker on Devin's car. I don't know if that exactly exonerates him. No, 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 that's not... that's not what I meant. I just... I can't believe he admitted that to us. Makes you wonder, doesn't it? Wonder what? What else he been doing to that poor girl for the last decade? And ladies and gentlemen, it's our pleasure to welcome you to Detroit, where the correct local time is 2.25. Please remain seated with your seatbelts fastened and your carry-on items stowed until the aircraft is parked at the gate and the captain has turned off the seatbelt sign. As Jessica and I make our way through the airport, I can't help but picture Devin Riesling walking through the concourse, carrying a duffel bag, getting ready for another semester at the University of Michigan. I wonder what drove her to apply to this school, 1,950 miles away from her rural Idaho hometown. Yes, it was a great school, especially for nursing, but there were plenty of great nursing schools closer to home, closer to Patty and the Rocky Mountains that Devin grew up around. Maybe, like so many young adults forging their way into adulthood, she wanted to get away, wanted a bit of space from her difficult childhood, her alcoholic mother. Her brother TJ also went to college on the East Coast. Anybody with a successful older sibling knows what it's like being in the shadow of that success, the pressure of it all. But, maybe, Devin came to Ann Arbor, Michigan with a different purpose altogether. 
Maybe she wanted a fresh start, a chance to be somebody new. Someone different from the Devon she was back in Idaho. Do I need to lean forward or can I sit back here? Yeah, you can sit back, that's fine. Okay. Like, is this okay? Yeah, that's great. Cool. So, thanks again for meeting me. Of course, I mean, I just, I want Devon to be found. I'm meeting with Emmy Johnson, a friend of Devon's from the University of Michigan. We're meeting at the undergraduate library on campus, a building that has outgrown its affectionate nickname, The Ugly, after extensive renovations. Now, it's a bright and beautiful building at the center of one of the most classic college campuses in America. The library is one of many brick buildings that expand in every direction from the Diag. The open area of lawns and crisscrossing sidewalks at the center of campus where students gather to study on the grass, set up slack lines, and toss a frisbee around. Inside the library, a flurry of activity on the ground floor is contrasted with the peaceful quiet on the upper floors, where students bury themselves in textbooks and laptops. Emmy is a short girl with electric red hair. She graciously agreed to meet with me after we reached out on Facebook looking for friends of Devon who could help us learn more about Devon's life, and consequently, maybe her disappearance. Can you start by telling us about your relationship with Devon? Yeah, um... Devin and I were, like, really good friends. We met in an anatomy and physiology lab, and I'll admit, I had a bit of a crush on her, maybe at first. <laughs> the first time I met her, she was, like, eating a package of gummy worms, and she, like, sat down next to me in the lab. She just handed me a gummy worm, and that was it. We were friends. Uh, and did Devin return your feelings? Oh, no, 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 no. She was, like, totally straight, like, pretty much all the girls I fall for. Um, but she was real sweet about it. You know, she let me down easy. So how did you first hear that Devin went missing? I heard about it on Facebook. To be honest, um, I didn't really take it that seriously at first. I mean, you never think something bad will happen to one of your friends, you know? At first I thought maybe Devin had come back here because I knew she was having a rough time of it in Idaho, but she never replied to my messages and I never saw her around, never heard of anyone else seeing her. And then when they found her car, it was like, pretty obvious at that point that she hadn't, like, left willingly. Devin was outgoing. She was very social. She was really loyal. I mean, she'd do anything for her friends. Um, she was crazy smart. She was one of those students who could stay up all weekend partying and show up to class on Monday morning with a coffee and still get an A on that test. So oh. I kind of hated her for that, but I mean... That's like a special kind of talent. Wait, so you're saying that Devin partied? Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, did she drink? I mean, sure. Drinking, drugs. I mean, you didn't know that about her? I mean, I never knew Devin myself, but her doing drugs doesn't really fit with the picture I had been getting of her. Yeah, valedictorian, devoted daughter, nursing student. I mean, yeah, that's all true. I'm just saying the girl liked to get messed up. So, what kind of substances are we talking about? Uh, pills, uh, a bunch of us did ecstasy once at Springfest. Um, I think I've seen her do coke a couple times. Nothing serious, but, I mean, it definitely was something she liked to do. Do you know what she liked doing the most? Yeah, I mean, mostly drinking and pills. Oxy, codeine, you know, whatever was around. Do you think that's something she might have had a problem with? What, like an addiction? No, not at all. I mean, it wasn't that serious. It's college. 
3304, 3306, 3607. Hello? Hi. Are you Asha? Yeah, so? Hi, I'm Kenneth Bailey, and I'm making a podcast about Devin Riesling. Do you have a moment to talk? Are you going to pay the rent that she owes me? Um, no, I'm sorry. Devin owes you money? Three fucking months worth, yeah. Would you mind if I came in? I have a few questions I'd like to ask. I step into the apartment that Devin used to share with Asha. It's a four-story complex called the Highlands, just across the road from the UMish North Campus. And while it's not an official dormitory for the university, it may as well be considering the tenants are all students. A new roommate has long since moved into Devin's old room, but there's a few little touches that serve as evidence that Devin once lived here. A tiny mural of yellow daisies Devin painted around the bathroom mirror, a ukulele Devin left behind, a fridge magnet holding up a strip of photo booth pictures. Pictures featuring Devin and Asha making silly faces and posing together. That's when things were still good with us. That photo? Yeah. Would you mind telling me what happened between you two? She screwed me over, that's what. She owes me over $2,000. And she left most of her shit behind for me to fucking deal with. Can you go back a little? How did this all start? I came home from Rick's and she was sitting on the couch crying. I asked her what was wrong and she told me it was none of my business. I thought maybe she's just PMSing. But when I turned to go to my room, she shouted after me that she was going to be moving out. And how did you react to that? I was pissed. I'll admit it, we had a huge fight, we screamed at each other, things got a bit nasty. She was still on the lease till January, so like, what was I supposed to do? Let her leave? So she didn't officially break the lease? No, she just took off. She didn't care what happened. She didn't care that it was too far in the semester for me to find another roommate. I mean, I had to work doubles that whole fucking semester. I was not about to get an eviction on my record just because she screwed me over. And this was in October? Um, mid-September, actually. Because I remember she left before the 1st of October, so she skipped out on October, November, and December rent. Huh. Okay. Are you sure about that? Yeah, why? Just that Patty, Devin's mom, wasn't diagnosed with end-stage liver disease until October 3rd. Yeah, so? So, that's why Devin dropped out of college and moved back home? No, it wasn't. Wait. Devin got kicked out of school. Are you serious? You didn't know? No. She told everyone in Emmett that she left to take care of her mom. I mean, maybe she did take care of her mom. I don't know. We stopped talking after she left. But Devin definitely got kicked out. Do you know why? Something about drugs and her professor. She wouldn't tell me the whole story, but I heard from someone else that she was caught half-naked doing a line off the professor's desk. I hoped that this trip to Ann Arbor would reveal more about Devin. But I never imagined that everything I thought I knew about Devin would be crumbling before my eyes. Not only was Devin partying and using drugs, a side of herself that she went to great lengths to hide from her friends and family back in Idaho, but she lied to everyone about the real reason she left college. After doing lots of digging, I discovered that the rumor Asha heard about Devin getting caught doing drugs with a professor wasn't exactly true, but Asha wasn't far off. On September 7th, 2018, Devin was asked to take a drug test for her work-study job at the university hospital. She consequently failed the drug test and was promptly let go from her work-study job. Normally, under these circumstances, students who fail drug tests for campus hospital jobs aren't reported to the university itself and don't face any further consequences besides the loss of employment. 
But something about Devin's test results sparked an investigation that spiraled beyond what Devin likely ever imagined. I'm the undergraduate student employee administrator at the University of Michigan Hospital. Devin Riesling underwent a standard drug test. This is a test that we require of all student employees of the University Hospital. Most of the students who fail these tests fail for marijuana. Two drugs that we don't see too often are the opiate fentanyl and the benzodiazepine midazolam. These are medications typically administered to patients to sedate them before surgery. So when they show up on a student's drug test, we start to question how exactly this student got their hands on such a tightly controlled substance. So wasn't there an incident at the university a few years ago? Someone told us that it may have influenced the process. So in 2013, there was an incident where both a doctor and a nurse overdosed on fentanyl within the same three hour span. The doctor recovered, but the nurse unfortunately passed away. That incident changed the way the hospital handles things like drug testing and administrative response to missing and stolen medications. We opened an investigation in Devon Riesling in September of that year, and we discovered there was a relationship between her and a nursing professor here at the hospital. And while he was on shift, there were controlled substances that went unaccounted for. When you say there was a relationship, do you mean a romantic relationship? We had another employee come forward with some evidence that their relationship had evolved beyond the normal student and teacher relationship and that Devin had been taking advantage of this professor's access to controlled substances. Consequently, the board decided that Devin's behavior had violated the university code of conduct and she was expelled from the school. Mm, what about the professor? He was also removed from his position. Can you tell us his name? I'm not at liberty to say. All right. But if you ask around, I'm sure you could figure it out. Jessica and I did exactly that. It seemed that a couple of Devin's classmates had heard similar rumors as the one reported to us by Asha. The professor named in these rumors was a 34-year-old man named Dr. Damien Cowan. Dr. Cowan graduated with a PhD in nursing from the University of Michigan in 2016. Dr. Cowan was then hired as a nursing professor who primarily taught therapeutic nursing care clinicals, which were undergraduate nursing classes taken in the hospital to provide hands-on experience. This is where Dr. Cowan and Devon presumably met. As her college transcripts report, she first took his nursing 262 class in the fall semester of 2016. Jessica followed up with Emmy to find out if she knew anything about him. What do you know about Devin's relationship with Dr. Cohen? Damien? No, that was steamy. So you knew about it? I mean, I wasn't going to bring it up because Devin kind of swore me to secrecy, but since the cat's out of the bag, I'll tell you that Devin fell for Damien hard. Her and Damien had this crazy whirlwind romance, you know, sneaking around, meeting on the what? down low. like going out of town together. They had to sneak around because he was her professor? Uh, yeah, I mean that too, but mostly because he was married. Dr. Cohen was married? Well, he was, until his wife walked in on him and Devin and she freaked, threatened oh. to get him fired and all that. It was nasty. Did they continue seeing each other after his wife found out about the affair? Yeah, they did. Um, Devin was always, like, pretty secretive about it. I mean, she told me because I was her best friend, but she definitely kept it under wraps. And after the divorce, I think he was like, 
embarrassed and they just kept sneaking around even though I mean I guess he was free to date her I don't know if he was still afraid of his wife or like getting in trouble with the school but him and Devin were definitely still sleeping together so when did all of this start um I think like pretty much as soon as they first met which was Devin's second year of college I think and they were seeing each other for how long like right up until Devin left town so about two years how did things end between them. Oh, Damien, like, ghosted her. Really? Yeah, it was bad. Devin was an absolute fucking mess. Even after she got kicked out of school, she was gonna stay in Ann Arbor to be with him, but he, like, refused to talk to her. I mean, I guess he was super pissed about getting fired. This girl destroyed his life, you know? Ruined his marriage, got him fired from his job. At one point, the hospital was gonna, like, file charges against him, but I honestly don't know if they ever did. I mean, she loved him, but I don't really blame him for hating her. Devin was a homewrecker. Have you heard from him or anything about him since? No, I haven't heard anything. After Jessica's conversation with Emmy, it was clear that tracking down Dr. Cowan was my number one priority. My mind was running a hundred miles an hour. I had so many questions. For example, like... How did Dr. Cowan and Devin first become involved? Was it true that his wife divorced him over his affair with Devin? Was Dr. Cowan somehow involved in Devin's disappearance? As I tried to pin down Dr. Cowan's whereabouts, I happened to run into an interesting piece of information about the University of Michigan. Just three months after Devin was expelled and her and Dr. Cowan's relationship was exposed, the university issued a new policy that banned faculty relationships with undergraduate students. Whether or not this new policy was, in part, inspired by Dr. Cowan's relationship with his student is unknown, but the timing does seem to line up. Either way, I think most people would agree that a professor having an affair with a student is unethical, or at least an ethical gray area. Add the fact that he was fired for passing along stolen drugs to students, and this professor was seeming more and more like a less than honorable guy. A background search into Dr. Damien Cowan revealed that charges for stealing medications were never filed against him. He was married in 2013 to Grace Cowan, who filed for divorce against him in February of 2017. Besides a traffic ticket for failing to use a turn signal, Dr. Cowan had no other criminal charges against him. A property search shows he currently owns no property, as the home he once shared with his wife was sold in late 2017. And his name wasn't associated with any businesses. His LinkedIn account didn't appear to have been updated since he was let go from the university, so it was difficult for me to find out what he had been doing for work in the time since leaving. Unfortunately, I wasn't having any luck getting a hold of him on any of the phone numbers or email addresses I had found, and uh, he didn't appear to have a Facebook page or any other social media either. In the meantime, I went back to Devin's old apartment to meet with her former roommate, Asha, and ask her some follow-up questions. You're back. I'm back. You find out anything? Yeah, a lot actually. I caught up Asha on the details we had learned about Devin being expelled from the university and her relationship with Dr. Damien Cowan. I was surprised to find that Asha had no idea that Devin had been dating a professor, at least until she'd heard the rumor about them being walked in on together while using. Would you describe Devin as a secretive person? Knowing what I know now, yes, I would describe her as secretive, but at the time I had no idea that she was hiding all this from me. Did you guys communicate often about your schedules and where you were going, who you were spending time with? I mean, I thought so, but apparently she was just lying to me. 
I never even knew that she was hiding any of this from me. So then, where did Devin say she was spending all of her time? Everywhere. She hardly slept. I mean, she'd go to class and study, and she had her work-study job at the records room in the hospital. I know that she and Emmy used to go to party at the house, like, practically every weekend. So is that a campus bar? No, it's a housing co-op where students live for cheap and everyone has to share cooking and cleaning and stuff. It's kind of like a frat, but less bro-y. Oh, uh, okay. They are sort of known for the drug culture they've got going on. I see. Is there anything else you want to know? Um, let me see. Earlier you mentioned that when Devin moved out, she left all of her stuff behind. Yeah, she packed whatever she could into a suitcase, but she left it basically everything else. Her bed, her mattress, some furniture, like a chair and a dresser, two boxes full of clothes, and all her pots and pans. So what did you end up doing with all of that stuff? Look, this is going to make me sound like an asshole, but I sold her bed and furniture because she owed me so much money for the rent. I did not go as far as to sell her clothes because she told me to leave it in a box outside in the hallway and she'd have somebody pick it up. Do you happen to know who? No, I just know that it was gone the next day and that's all I cared about. Okay. Anything else? Yeah, just one last question. Sure. Did Devin ever talk about a stalker? Not that I remember, no. She never mentioned anybody who called her all the time. No. Maybe someone who sent her letters harassed her. She never mentioned it if she did. She never talked about someone by the name of Garrett? Oh, well, yeah, I know about Garrett. So, what did she have to say about him? I know that he was a guy from her hometown, and she... How can I say this nicely? She kind of used him. She used him? She described him as kind of a little puppy dog. She'd sort of manipulate him into doing favors for her or paying her bills, you know. So then, how would she end up manipulating him? By giving him false hope. Hope that they would be together? Exactly. Did you ever get the sense that Garrett was dangerous? No, not at all. Trust me, Devin held all the cards. She had that guy wrapped around her finger. Our time in Ann Arbor was starting to run out. While I had been working on the podcast full-time, Jessica had another job in Idaho at the local community radio station, and we could only get away for so long. I was starting to worry about finding Damien. He still wasn't answering our calls or our texts. Was he intentionally hiding from us, much like Isaac had once done? Even his friends and family hadn't replied to any of my inquiries yet, and my requests for public records that might lead me to an address were going nowhere as every address I turned up at seemed to have no idea where Damien was currently living. I even called Brett and asked if he had any resources as a private investigator that could help us pin him down, but so far, he was finding just as many loose ends as I was. I started to fear that we might have to leave town before we could talk to him. However, before we did leave, there was one more lead I wanted to track down. A lead that was, admittedly, extremely thin and based on only a hunch, but at this point, I was starting to feel desperate. Sorry to bother you again. I just had one quick question for you. Yeah, no problem at all. What's up? So, Asha mentioned that when Devin left town, she left a couple of boxes of Devin's clothes outside of their apartment in the hallway for a friend to pick up and presumably ship or deliver to Devin at some point. Was that you? What, me who picked up the boxes? No, wasn't me. Have you tried Finn or Shane or the other boys? No, I was actually going to head over to that house. Yeah, might have been them. I don't know. Alright, uh, thank you so much, Emmy. Yeah, no problem. 
The next stop was the housing co-op that both Asha and Emmy mentioned. If you're wondering why I've beeped out the name, it's because after my meeting at the house, they asked me to protect their tenant's privacy by changing the name. So, I'm going to call this co-op Porch House because of the distinctive front porch. Porch House is one of 16 inter-cooperative council houses in Ann Arbor. These were houses where students could rent a room and contribute funds to a socialized meal budget with meals curated by a trained chef. Each tenant has a three-hour shift each week for cleaning or cooking for the house. And since the food is typically quite good, the houses often accept outside students, called boarders, who don't live in the house but pay a monthly fee to have meals with the rest of the residents. According to Porch House records, Devin and her friend Emmy were boarders during her freshman and sophomore year, eating dinner there five days a week and forming close friendships with the other tenants and boarders. The house is known for its parties which sometimes get out of control, as well as their house shows and bi-weekly open mics. Jessica and I arrive at the house, a blue three-story home just a five-minute walk from the Diag, and wave to the students sitting on the porch. I can see how Devin would fit in here. Everyone is social and friendly and outgoing. It feels like a family. Kenneth? That's me. Kenneth, what's up, man? How you doing? I'm alright. Are you Shane? I am, I am. And you're the guy who's going to make Devin famous, huh? I mean, I guess so. Come in, come in. As I talk to Shane, a variety of people of every race and gender expression walk through the common area. They stop for a moment and tell me how much they love Devon, how much they miss her, and how they hope she is found safe. There's definitely a community spirit in the house, a bond that unites the tenants in deep friendship. But some of the stories the tenants tell me, the parties and rowdy house shows, rampant drug use that led to the house almost getting shut down by the ICC, it almost feels like underneath the communal exterior is perhaps a darker side, a place where Devon first started using drugs and binge drinking. Something that I'm fairly confident she was not at all involved in in her hometown. So, was Devon open with her friends about the fact that she was dating her professor? She definitely wasn't open with it, but a couple of us, me and Emmy, we knew. At the time, the policy was that faculty could have a relationship with a student if they went to administration and filled out some forms saying they weren't going to sue or whatever. But the problem was that Damien's wife was also working at the university. She did? Yeah, she wasn't a professor. She was an administrator or some shit. So obviously they couldn't go about their relationship the legit way, and they had to keep it on the low. Besides the fact that they were having an affair, did you see anything about the relationship that was concerning to you? What do you mean? Like, do you think that Damien was abusive in any way? No, I don't think so. Devin wasn't the kind of girl who would tolerate that shit. I think she would tell me if he ever tried anything. Do you think they were good together? I think they were definitely in love, but I don't know if I'd say they were good together. Devin, she was a force of destruction in Damien's life. She sort of sent his life through a tailspin. So then, do you think he harbored any anger at her for that? Who wouldn't be mad? But you don't have an affair with a student for two years and not expect there to be some fallout. Yeah, that's true. Do you think that Damien has anything to do with Devin's disappearance, then? That's, uh, I don't know, dude. That's hard to say. I never knew the guy well, but I can say he definitely didn't seem like he would ever hurt Devin. One last question, if you don't mind. Yeah, sure. Asha mentioned that someone picked up a couple of boxes of Devin's things after she moved out. Was that you, or was that possibly someone else at the co-op? Wasn't me, but I'll find out if it was somebody else and get back to you. Okay. 
Thank you. Yeah, of course. And might I say, thank you for meeting with me. Anytime. Seeing where Devon spent so much of her time while in college was certainly illuminating. Perhaps more enlightening, however, was the fact that Dr. Cowan's ex-wife was also a faculty member at the University of Michigan. I had already tried several times to get in contact with her, to no avail. But if she had an office on campus, maybe I could try to approach her in person. I only had half an hour before I had to head back to the airport and make my way back to Idaho. But it was worth a shot. Hi, um, I'm looking for Grace Cowan. Down the hall and to the right, honey. Office hours start at 4. Oh, I'm actually not here for office hours. Are you Grace Cowan? Not anymore. I'm back to my maiden name. Cooper? Oh, okay. Um, sorry. I was wondering if you had a minute to talk? About what? About Damien Cowan. Absolutely not. I'm making a podcast about Devin Riesling and- I have nothing to say about that girl. I just need to get a hold of Damien and ask him a few questions. I'm gonna have to ask you to leave my office. I just need a contact number or an email for Damien Cowan. Look, you're not gonna be able to get a hold of him. What do you mean? I have no idea where he is. He won't reply to emails, phone calls, nothing. Devin is missing too. Don't you understand? It's all connected. I don't care. Now get out of my office. That's it for this episode of Dead of the Night Podcast. Our next episode is a Q&A, so if you have any questions or comments about the podcast or a tip about the case, please call 208-398-3110. This episode was produced by Gina Harris, Spencer Hudson, and Danielle Choda. Jessica O'Neill is our audio engineer. I'm Kenneth Bailey, asking once again, have you seen Devin Riesling? <laughs>